will help you as you get started with your investment simulation. I appreciate you tuning in. Let's get started. Last episode I said that we want to find a good company and buy their stock at a good price. I can't overemphasize this point. It's really important that you find both of these ingredients. Let me give you an example of something to avoid. I'm one of three faculty advisors for the Student Managed Fund at ACU. The name of the fund is STAR. That stands for Student Trading and Research. As of the beginning of 2007, our students manage over $320,000 of real ACU endowment funds. The fund started operating in mid-2000, and one of the first stocks we bought was Cisco Systems. If you want to look at a chart of their stock price, their ticker symbol is CSCO. When we bought Cisco, they were a financial juggernaut. They had astronomical growth rates, zero debt, huge market share, and unbelievable cash flow. They had strong management and a moat around many of their markets. We paid a smooth $65 per share with confidence. And it was one of the worst investments Star ever made. What happened? Well, we paid way too much. A lot of people are excited about Cisco, so they had bid the price up really high. I can't remember exactly what Cisco's price earnings ratio was at that time, but I want to say it was somewhere around 50. That means we paid about $50 for each dollar of current earnings the company was generating. Peter Lynch says he likes to think of the P.E. ratio as the number of years it will take him to earn back his initial investment. Over the next several months, market participants would reconsider this lofty valuation and unfortunately, Cisco's stock price declined dramatically. Here's another example with a happier ending. Ross Stores. In May 2001, one of the managers of Star presented a report on Ross Dress for Less. Ticker symbol is R-O-S-T. Now this was about one year after the peak of the internet boom or bubble, and on the surface, Ross sure didn't have the sizzle of Cisco or a lot of other companies for that matter. They basically buy overstocked and unsold items from high-priced department stores and sell them at a 20 to 60% discount. At first, nobody was excited about the company. But as we really looked at them, we saw several things we liked. Sales were increasing steadily and their profit margins were stable. They didn't have any debt and they were steadily building new stores. Their price-earnings ratio was around 11 or 12. 
This was very low compared to many of their competitors, so we determined that Ross was a good company and we believed it was selling for a good price. Star bought the stock at $10.94 per share and a couple of years later sold most of those shares for about $30 each. Ross didn't seem very exciting in the beginning, but they were a good company at a great price and we were all excited about the return we earned. So from my perspective, success in the investment simulation is going to start with identifying a good company at a good price. The rest of this episode is going to focus on a few ideas on finding a good company. The next episode will focus on finding a good price. So you may be saying to yourself, Stuart, this sounds like a reasonable plan, but how do I actually identify a good company? Let me tell you about three resources that might help you get started. Number one, the Value Line Investment Survey. In episode one, I explained how to access a stock report from the Value Line Investment Survey. This is a great resource, and I recommend you look at the reports of companies that you are familiar with in order to determine whether they are a good company or not. In episode two, I talked about the summary and index. I worked Value Line over pretty well in those shows, so I'll just remind you that they're available. Number two, annual reports. When I find a company that I want to learn more about, I go to their website and download their annual report. Most companies have these available online in the Investor Relations section of the website. I'm going to download the annual report for Sonic Drive-Ins and point out some of the things I like to look for. You have to remember that the annual report is compiled and distributed by the company, so they are obviously going to present things in the best light possible. Having given you that warning, I'll add this. If I read the letter to the shareholders, I should walk away with several things. First, I should pick up on some of the culture and language of the company. Sonic talks about car hops and food that is made when you order. They highlight the pay at the stall program and they talk about day parts. These terms and their descriptions help me to understand what's happening at Sonic. All of these things help me understand what Sonic is excited about. If they aren't excited about the company, then why should I be excited about the company? If they use a lot of guarded language or seem to be intimidated or fearful about the future, then maybe I should look for another place to invest. Next, I look for the numbers that the company is excited about. Sonic always reports things like system-wide average sales per drive-in and total marketing expenditures, along with standards like total revenue, net income, and total number of drive-ins. Sonic's 2006 annual report even shows pictures of the new store design that they will be using to retrofit the existing stores. I hope they don't get rid of the neon ice cream cones. Hey, have I ever told you about the Island Fire Burger? It has this habanero sauce. Number three, financial statements. The last thing I'll talk about in this episode are financial statements. You can find these in the annual report or on most financial websites like Yahoo, Google, or CNN Money. Now some people feel intimidated by the balance sheet and income statement and automatically assume that they can't unlock the secrets that they hold. But my experience is that most of my students sell themselves short. When I give them a set of statements and ask them to tell me what they see, they're pretty good about figuring out what is going on. 
They're quick to point out good things like increases in sales or lower costs. They also point out things that might serve as red flags like a dramatic decline in cash or a spike in inventory. What are some other good things to look for? I recently read a great book by Phil Town called Rule Number One. He attempts to apply the investing principles of Benjamin Graham and Warren Buffett in a user-friendly and understandable format. Now he sort of wears me out with the rule of 72, but I think most people would find this book to be a, an easy read and much easier than Benjamin Graham's book, The Intelligent Investor. It might make sense to start with rule number one and then move up to the intelligent investor at some point in the future. In rule number one, Mr. Town focuses on four growth rates and one ratio. The growth rates are the equity growth rate, the EPS growth rate, the sales growth rate, and the free cash flow growth rate. He likes to see all these growth rates above 10% for a one-year period, a five-year period, and a 10-year period. You can find all of these values on any value line report or on most websites. Then you can calculate the growth rates from one year to the next. One of the primary ideas behind the book is that if all these measures have been above 10% for a 10-year period, that is probably a pretty solid company that deserves some consideration. Everyone has their own list of things they like to see in the financial statements. Here are a few things I like. I like stable earnings that have been increasing steadily. I like a reasonable amount of debt compared to the other companies in their industry. I also love it when a company is buying back their own stock. This is known as a stock repurchase, and I usually take that as a sign that the people who are running the company think that they are a good investment at a good price. I also love to look at the company's financial ratios and compare them to their top competitors. This is often a good way to identify the firm's strengths and weaknesses. We'll talk more about ratios in another episode. Well, that's all I have for now. Why don't you pick out a company that you are interested in and look at some of the items I've discussed today. See if you can tell if they are a good company or not. I'm confident that you can do it. Next time I'm going to talk about a method that a lot of investors use to determine whether a company is selling at a favorable price or not. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Stulenium Radio. This is Jonathan Stewart. Let's bail.